Awesome. Y'all can have a seat. Um, I, yeah. Um, yeah, let's bring that back. So God's been doing some unusual things here over the past couple of weeks. How many of you are here for uh, Palm Sunday with the Easter egg outreach? That Wasn't that awesome? We had, um, I think, almost 200 guests uh, that were with us that day for, for Easter egg outreach. It was absolutely awesome. And then uh, Good Friday. Wow. <laughs> Good Friday was powerful. How many of you were here Good Friday? Wave at me. You were here for Good Friday service. We were supposed to have an hour, uh, hour service, and it ended up being quite, uh, well, it was longer than an hour, but, but it, was, it was quite powerful. We were, we were carrying folks out at the end around 10 o'clock. Uh, everybody had left, uh, but there, we, were, we were still, things still happening, and uh, it was quite awesome. And uh, God, you know what was awesome about Good Friday? is God was touching the kids. I mean, everybody, every age was getting ministered to, but the kids and the testimonies from the children, absolutely incredible. So they're going to share some of them this morning. I want you to hear some of these testimonies of what's happened in the kids. Um, now, I, I, want you, I want you to tune in your spiritual ear this morning. I don't want you just to hear, oh, isn't that sweet little you know, whoever's telling their testimony. I want you to hear, I want you to be aware with your spiritual ears, with your spiritual awareness this morning, God's up to something. I said, God's up to something here. And, um, and I, I want to be sensitive to what he's doing. I want to be sensitive to what the Lord's doing and saying, what's happening. And uh, so I want you to tune in. I, I believe that God's going to speak to you through one of these children this morning. Did you hear me? I said, I believe the Lord's going to speak to you through one of these kids today. If you'll have ears to hear, I believe God's getting ready to rock your world and do something in your life this morning. Yeah, yeah. Bring it, Lord. Let it rip. Yeah, let it rip, Jesus. Lord, just change me this morning. Lord, I don't want to leave the same. <laughs> <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes, you've declared truth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, Pastor Angie's going to help me. Why don't you all come up, those that are going to share testimonies, Noah, Austin, Zoe, Leah, come on up. All of y'all that are sharing, come on up. Just see what God's going to do this morning. Yeah, give them a great big God bless you. Come on. It, it's... It takes a lot for an adult to get up here. <laughs> Leah, come on over. Come on over. What happened? So this, so this was Palm Sunday. I started to say Easter Sunday. I knew that was wrong. E Palm Sunday, what happened? Yes. Did, did, you, did you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Yeah. Did you enjoy that? Yes. Has Jesus been speaking to you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And what's going to happen next Sunday? I'm going to get water baptized. That's awesome. Give me a high five. Good job. That's awesome. That's awesome. Jonathan, come on over, buddy. So Good Friday, 
right? Something happened Good Friday. What, what did Jesus do on Good Friday? He touched my soul. You were, you were over here, and you, got, you came up to the prayer line, and Jesus touched you. Austin, what happened? This was Good Friday, right? So God did something in your life on Good Friday. What happened? Um, when I went up to the altar, um, when, and when I prayed, uh, he accepted me and forgave me. Accepted you and forgave you? Yeah. That's awesome. That was on Good Friday? Yes. What happened at the altar? Um, I prayed for the ill and people who were going through troubles, and I prayed that God would lead them and guide them through life. Good job. That's awesome. That's awesome. Come on up, Zoe. So what happened? This was Good Friday, right? I went up to the altar, and when... My dad touched my head, I started shaking and I fell. And then I felt a hand touch my ankle and then there was a swirl until I got up. And when I got up, I couldn't walk straight. <laughs> you couldn't walk straight and then what's been happening with your, you, your ankle's been bothering you, right? No, before, before you, before Good Friday, it was bothered. You had ankle trouble, right? Yes. And then what happened to it? Um, I haven't been having ankle problems ever since then. Yeah, Jesus healed your ankle. Good job. Good job. Come here, buddy. So Noah, Noah on Good Friday uh, was one of those that got carried out to his car. So. He was he was here on the floor till ten. What was happening, buddy? Um, the Lord just touched me in a powerful way, and I couldn't, I couldn't, I like I couldn't stop. It was uncontrollable. I, like I, felt like I, I couldn't get enough of him. It was it was amazing. So every now and then I would open my eyes and one of the times I would open my eyes, I saw this green mist as I was saying, fill the room. It was right on the ceiling just entering and I'm, it was nerve wracking because it's Jesus. I just felt an overflow. Felt like I was in the river of Jesus. Did you feel the did you feel the waters? Yes. You said they were as you were sitting at the altar, they were flowing over you. Yep. 
And then what'd you tell, what'd you tell your dad? You said the adults, what did the, the adults need to learn from that? Nope. <laughs> the adults needed to come hungry and then what would happen? Jesus would meet them if they came hungry. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Maybe, maybe today you'll find yourself lost in the presence of the Lord. Maybe today you'll, you'll step in. Amen? Maybe you'll step in today into his river, into the river of the Lord and be touched. Maybe he'll change you today. Amen? Did you come hungry this morning? I didn't come for church as usual. I don't ever come for church as usual. So there, there is no routine church. I came hungry for the presence of the Lord. I came hungry to be changed, to be transformed. I came to be filled and saturated in His presence and His Spirit today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I came hungry, Lord. I came hungry today for you, Jesus came hungry today for you. Everybody in this place, I want you to pray with me. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Fill me with your spirit today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning and you meant it, I believe God's going to do something. Amen. I said, I believe that if you prayed that prayer this morning, you meant that God wants to do something in your life. Thanks, guys. You're good. God wants to do something in your life. He wants to change you. He wants to transform you. He wants to fill you with his spirit. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Genesis chapter 14. I'm going to pick up in teaching where I left off Good Friday. Genesis chapter 14. Good Friday, we started a series on communion and understanding, diving into the power of communion. We took a look at Abel's life. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24 says, Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of the blood of Abel. The blood of Jesus speaks forgiveness. It speaks about mercy where the blood of Abel was crying out for justice and, and, uh, and Jesus' blood is crying out for mercy and for forgiveness. Today I want to take a look at Abraham. We may, get, we may get to the Passover, we'll see. But a lot of folks think that communion was attached to Passover, but it, and it was, but it goes much further back than just Passover. Of course, last week we took a look at Abel all the way back in, at the beginning of time with Genesis, and then we're going to pick up with the patriarch Abraham today, or Abram, uh, as he's known at this point, in Genesis chapter 14. Let me just give you the context of Genesis 14 before we read uh, essentially, four kings have risen up and they've attacked, they've come out and they've attacked the people of God, the, the, the Abram and the people of God. And so these four kings have waged, raged war and they have carried off all of the people they've attacked. They've taken Lot captive. And remember that Abraham and, and Lot 
you know, so there's there's a little bit of truth here. I want to get into this in just a moment, but when we start diving into the power of communion, this isn't just about you personally. This is about your family. This is about the territory that God is giving you. So as we jump into this today, I want you to keep your ears open that God has made a promise concerning your family, concerning your your home, concerning your job. Do you hear me this morning? God has given you a promise concerning the various aspects of your life. And communion is a reminder of the covenant that you have with God. The covenant that God has made with you. God says regarding his covenant, my covenant I will not break nor alter the word that has gone out of my mouth. What he has spoken over you, he's faithful to do. He's faithful to execute. Well, amen. I'm glad somebody agrees. What God has promised concerning your life, your family, your job, wherever he's placed you, you have a covenant with God. And communion is a reminder for you. It's a reminder before you and God of his covenant. In Genesis chapter 14, of course, as I was saying, we find this story. Uh, Abram's by the terebinth trees in Mamre, which anytime you see that, the, the terebinth trees, this was a place where Moses would go to hear from the Lord. It was a place of reflection. The word terebinth actually is it's God in the trees, that he's there. Uh, God, He's reflecting on God, and God is speaking to him under the oak trees. It was an oak grove, and he's hearing from the Lord, and he receives word that Lot has been captured. And he gathers together 318, if you go to verse 14 of chapter 14, he gathers 318 of his own servants. Now, Abraham was was wealthy. We know that he left, he was living in a wealthy area. He left his family and he took all of his possessions and his servants with him. He's now living in the land of Canaan with a promised land. And he is... uh, getting together 318 of his trained servants to go fight against four armies. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear that, the odds are against him. Not to quote a movie, but the odds are not in his favor. He's got four armies that have come up against him, and he is facing them with 318 men. But the Bible says that he goes out and to fight against them, and as, he, as they pursue the enemies, these four armies, they, they pursue them for 140 miles. I don't know about you, but that's quite a run. I I don't think I could run 140 miles chasing after the enemy. But for 140 miles, 318 men chased down four armies. Tell me, that's supernatural. That is a supernatural act of God working on their behalf. And then it doesn't stop there. In verse 15, it says that they go even further. They pursued them as far as Hobah, which that's another 100 miles. So the 240 miles they've pursued the enemy And when they have pursued them, they overtake them. And verse 16 says, they brought back all of the goods and brought back his brother Lot and his goods and all the women and all the people. And so Abram and his servants pursue after the enemy and they bring back all of the goods of of Lot's possessions. They bring back all of the goods of their enemies and they've defeated their enemy. 
with 318 people. God has worked a miracle on their behalf. Everybody say amen. God's worked a miracle on their behalf. I, I want to encourage you this morning before I go any further. Can I just tell you that we, we need to get a little bit tenacious like Abram and say, devil, you may come against me. You, the armies of the enemy may rise up against me and against my family and against uh, those that God has positioned with me. But I am not going to stop until I see breakthrough and I see victory in their life. Abraham was determined. And I, I feel like sometimes we get so lazy as Christians. We just want to sit back and say, well, I know the Lord's going to bring breakthrough. But Abraham had to get his took us off the couch with 318 men and chase down the enemy. God's going to bring the breakthrough, but you've got to engage with heaven. Come on, somebody. You've been sitting back waiting on some miracle, some great thing to happen and transpire in your life. God, when are you going to break the addiction off of, uh, off of my family? And you've been sitting back allowing addiction to continue in your home. Come on, somebody. You need to draw the line and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You can take your addiction somewhere else. You are not going to do your drugs in my house. Allowing your family, your kids to live with you and cohabitate together. Come on, somebody. No, no, no. You need to draw a line and say, as for me and my house. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't love them. It doesn't mean that you don't care for them. But you are being tenacious with the word of God and the promise of God concerning your family. Devil, you are not going to have my family. The word of the Lord is for me and my house. Abraham went after the enemy. He would not allow the enemy to take his brother captive. You, you may have had my brother, but, but enemy, what you don't know, the, the armies didn't know that it was a setup. It was a divine plan for Abraham to walk out with their spoils too. You may have taken my brother, but what you don't understand is you've given me an opportunity to walk out with a quadruple blessing. See, the enemy didn't know that he was messing with someone who had the favor of God on their life. The, the armies that came up against Abraham, they didn't know. They didn't know that he was the Hebrew. He was the one that God had chosen. They didn't know that he was the patriarch of our heritage. They didn't know that God had placed his hand on their life. He just seemed like an ordinary guy from the Chaldean, from Ur of Chaldean. He was just a normal, wealthy man. We could just take from him. He won't care. He won't miss it. But little did they know that the power of the anointing of God was resting on this man to bring deliverance not only to himself, but to a generation and to a lineage. And I'm going to get there. But there was something that God was trying to work in Abraham's life in that moment. Abraham had to be determined that he wasn't going to allow the enemy to steal what God had already given to him. I'll say it again. You've got to be determined. You're not going to allow the enemy to take what God's already given to you. He's paid for your joy. Why would you let the devil have it? He's paid for your peace. Why would you exchange it for worry? Come on, I'm preaching and you ain't helping me this morning. If, why would you exchange your, your, your peace for worry and anxiety and fear? God's paid for your breakthrough. He's paid... I'm going to go down the road to the next church and preach. Maybe they'll hear me. I, God has paid for your breakthrough. He's, pray, he's paid for your joy. It's, don't allow somebody to take it from you. He's paid for your peace. You need to walk in shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken. If God said that he will not alter his covenant concerning you, 
then you need to walk according to the covenant that he's given you. And it doesn't just stop with redemption. Thank God for redemption. But redemption opens the door to every other blessing that is available to you. I'm going to talk about it in a moment. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to go back to the Bible. So they ran for 240 miles. They overtook them. Abram got his brother back and all of the blessings. And then in verse 17, let's pick up. And the king of Sodom, everybody remember Sodom and Gomorrah. That's one of the, the so there's, yeah, there's a connection. So the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheva, the king's valley, and his return from the defeat of all of these wonderful Bible names. Cardalamar, Collar, yeah. <laughs> and the kings who were with him. King, the king of Sodom has come out to meet with Abram. But there's another king that came out in verse 18. Then Melchizedek, everybody say Melchizedek. King of Salem brought out bread and wine. And he was the priest of God most high. And he blessed Abram and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, And blessed be God, Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tithe of all. What's happened here in this moment is that Melchizedek, the Old Testament pre-incarnate Jesus, has showed up on the scene. Melchizedek has come before Abram and has received Abram's tithe out of every... See, tithing goes way back. This isn't just a modern... I'm not preaching about tithing this morning, but I will just take a moment. This goes all the way back to Abraham offers a tithe, goes back to the garden, but Abram offers a tithe of all of the possessions that he's taken from these kings. I didn't do an offering. Oh, my wife's telling me now's a great time to take an offering. So I'm going to pause and we're going we're to take an offering. So the ushers are going to get ready and we're going to give you a chance to touch. So I knew I was preaching this message for a reason. So we're going to give you a chance to give to the Lord today. See, Abram brought a tithe to the Lord. So you just adapt in the moment. The, Abraham went out. Hold on, guys. We're, we're not going to receive it yet. Just give, it, give me a quick moment. Kids can be dismissed. I'm going to give you a second. The ushers are getting ready. Abram brought a tithe to the Lord, and Melchizedek brought out communion. That's what we're going to do. Melchizedek brought out communion (laughs) and served it and blessed. Let me pray for you. The ushers are going to receive our tithe and offering this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every person as they give this morning. Thank you, Jesus, that your blessings on every seed sown multiplication, just as it was for Abraham. It'll be for them today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless you as you give. You can, ushers, come on down, and I'm just going to keep preaching while you sow. That's awesome. Y'all can do two things at once, right? You should triple give this morning, quadruple give. For every king that came out to fight against Abraham, you're going to give. Victoriously, he gave. (laughs) Tithe, hallelujah. So he gave his tithe. To the Lord and Melchizedek, if you flip over to Hebrews, I want to read 
read this so you understand who Melchizedek is. This is important. And Hebrews chapter 7 says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, or king of peace, the word Salem, the king of peace, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, or meaning king of peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. So who was Melchizedek? Melchizedek was God in the Old Testament showing up, the pre-incarnate Jesus. He was showing up to Abraham and received the tithe that Abraham had brought and, and acted as an intercessor for Abraham on behalf of God. Received the tithe, the high priest receiving the tithe and blessing Abraham. And so he brings out communion. He brings out bread and he brings out the wine. Again, this is a symbolic act, but it's a prophetic act of Jesus. Remember, the bread represents Jesus said, this is my body that was given for you, my blood of the new covenant. And so what is happening here in the Old Testament with Abraham is that the Jesus, Old Testament, Melchizedek is saying, this, this covenant that we're making as you've given of your victory today, we are covenant Together, the promise that God has made for your life, there is a covenant that we are honoring today. God has blessed you and you have honored him with your tithe. And we have a covenant today in blood, in the wine, and in the, in the broken body of Jesus. You and I have a covenant because of Abraham's blessing that happened here in Genesis chapter 14. You can find this again in Galatians chapter 3. In Galatians chapter 3, in verse 13, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Everybody say, I've been redeemed. He's become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles, that the blessing of Abraham might be on your life. You are created to walk in the blessing of Abraham, that it might come upon you and I in Christ Jesus, that what? That we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. So what is this all about? Communion, this Old Testament example of communion with Melchizedek and Abraham is a reminder to you and I as believers, as Gentile believers today, that we have a covenant with God. We are born again, not by the works of our own righteousness, but by the, the broken body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And it gives us access here, right here in Galatians. We have been, we've received the promise of Abraham through faith. What? That we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. So it's more than just redemption, more than salvation. The promise of Abraham was about Jesus saying to the disciples, don't leave Jerusalem until you've received the promise of the Father. What was the promise of the Father? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So again, all of communion is about the covenant that we have with God and the promise 
of the Father, the promise of the Holy Spirit. So when we receive communion together, it goes, this is an ancient. This goes all the way back to, the, to Cain and Abel. It goes all the way back to Abraham. That we're, we're partaking of a feast that Abraham partook of. And we're connected to the promise that Abraham received from the Lord. Abraham was told, get out and I'll bless you. I'll give you. And and Abraham at this point in in Genesis 14 is living in Canaan. He's living in the promise. But that wasn't the only promise. What was the other promise that God made with Abraham? His son. I'm so glad you're with me. Well, if you keep reading in Genesis, we're in Genesis chapter 14. and, and, And Abraham is brought out his tithe, Melchizedek has blessed him. They've rescued Lot from captivity. Now, you could say, you know, it was good enough that Abraham walked away with all the spoils. It was good enough that Abraham offered his tithe and received the blessing of the Lord. But that wasn't it. He walked away seeing his, his brother Lot rescued from the enemy. And then watch what happens. In verse 15... Or excuse me, chapter 15. He says, well, let me go back. Verse 22 of chapter 14. But Abraham, so remember, remember the king of Sodom. Before I, I need you to get this. Before, before the, we move into 15 and the blessing that shows up in 15, I need you to understand what happened at the end of 14. Remember, two kings have approached Abraham. Or Abram, as he's known at this point. His name hasn't been changed yet. Two kings come out to meet Abraham. One is the king of Sodom, the king of wickedness. And then the second king, the king Melchizedek, the king of peace, the king of righteousness, Jesus in the Old Testament. Two kings have showed up. Jesus, Melchizedek, blessed him and said to him, Blessed be Abraham, God of the Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High who has delivered you from your enemies. This was the first time that there was a a victory, a battle victory, and God identified Abraham. They even call him Abram the Hebrew. He's the leader of the Hebrews. There's a recognition for the first time that there's a people of God, that God is up to something in the earth. And it happens right here where Abraham receives the blessing of Melchizedek and receives the covenant by communion. For you and I, when we partake of communion, we are, we are reminded, reminded of our, reminding ourselves and standing in the place of covenant with God where the same blessing, you will deliver me from my enemies. The same blessing that was on Abraham, that if you get out of, of, the, of your territory, leave and walk into the promised land, you have a promised land. You have a promise from God for your life. When we take communion, it's a reminder of the promise that you have, the covenant that you have between you and God. And then there was King Sodom. Sodom tried to make a deal. The king of Sodom tried to make a deal with Abram. He, he recognized that, that Abraham was, was going to defeat him. There was something on Abraham's life. There was something different. And he basically said, uh, you know, let's make a deal. And Abraham said to the king of Sodom, 
I'm not going to make a deal with you. Verse 22, he says, I'm not going to take anything from you. Actually, we're going to, whatever's yours, you keep it. All I want is Lot and my, my family and his possessions. You keep all of your possessions. I don't want you saying that you made me rich. This isn't the work of your hand. This isn't the work of a wicked king. This is the work of God in my life. This is the work of God in my life. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves in the middle of wickedness and in a perverse generation that we are, our blessing, our benefits, our breakthrough, our provision come from the Lord, not by alliances with wickedness. Don't align or uh, create alliances in wickedness, but allow the Lord to work on your behalf. And then in chapter 15, verse 1, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Insert the promise of the blessing of a son. Do you see the progression here? Is that Abram goes out and he fights with the kings. He goes out and he, he's victorious against the kings. And he brings back a tithe. He gives to the Lord a tithe of all of the blessings that he's received. And when he gives, Melchizedek blesses him. And the very next thing that shows up in his life is a son of promise. It's not by coincidence that when you and I walk in the blessing of the Lord and we honor Him, we walk in the covenant, that this isn't just about me. This is not just about me feeling good and me being blessed. This is about a lineage in your life. This is about a legacy that's being passed down from generation to generation. Communion is about a generational blessing that God wants on your life and your family. If there is conflict in your family, you need to take communion and be reminded of the generational blessing that God promised Abraham that is on your life. The same blessing that's on Abraham is on you. The same blessing, if you're believing God for a spiritual breakthrough, spiritual son, spiritual daughter, breakthrough in your family, breakthrough with your kids... Take communion. Remember the work of the Lord for your family. If you're facing giant enemies that have come up against you, if you're facing the kings, the wicked kings that have come up against you, you feel like you're in a battle for your life. You feel like you can't see breakthrough. You're just constantly in a battle. Take communion and remind yourself of what God promised Abraham, that he is your shield and he is your victory. He's bringing you out of that battle into a place of victory. The only reason that you're there is so you can walk away with the spoils of war. The the only reason that you're there is to walk away with greater blessing. It's not to be defeated. It's not to be overcome. You're there declaring the victory of the Lord. Remind yourself of the blessing of the Lord. Isn't that what Jesus said? When you eat this bread and you drink this cup, remember the Lord. Remember what he's promised you. Remember what He's promised you. Is it God remembers? 
God has not, I just want to pause here for a moment. God has not forgotten you. God didn't call us to remember him because he's forgetful. He didn't have a, an early onset of Alzheimer's and have to have a reminder. He doesn't have dementia and he doesn't need a, a reminder note on the refrigerator where he left his medicine. This isn't, that's not the God that we serve. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't forgotten your circumstance. He hasn't forgotten what you're going through. He knows you. He knows every, as we heard it this morning, he knows every hair that's on your head. He knows every detail of your life. He remembers and communion is an act of our remembrance of the Lord. The problem is not with God, it's with us. We often forget the goodness of the Lord. We often forget what He's promised us. We often forget the covenant that we've entered into with God. And so communion is a reminder for you and I of what God's promised concerning our life. So when I take communion, when I drink the cup and I eat the bread, I'm reminded I go all the way back in history to Abraham and I'm reminded about Melchizedek meeting with Abraham, blessing him and the promise of a son. What did that have to do with anything? A promise of a son. Who was Isaac? God's promise to Abraham was in your descendants. All the nations of the earth would be blessed. Who is it that came from the lineage of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and Jesus? Jesus was in the lineage. It was that promised son. It was that promised lineage that this isn't just about my generation current, myself. This is about future generations to come. This is about the blessing of the Lord on my family. This is about the blessing of the Lord on our church. This is about the blessing of the Lord and His covenant in every area of my life. There's a promise in communion for you. So when we take communion, we're reminded of the promise of God. Reminded of His promise for our life. Reminded of the promise for, for the possession of the land that He's given to us. The promise of victory whenever we face our enemies. The promise that He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. The promise of the Holy Ghost. That's what Paul wrote to the Galatians. He said, "This is the promise of Abraham is about you receiving the fullness of the Spirit. There's a, there's a promise of God for your life. And He's intended, if your life is miserable... You wake up in the morning wishing that life was over. Take communion. If you wake up and find yourself grumpy and cranky, don't go for the coffee or the espresso. Go for the communion. When you wake up in the morning, go for communion. Get, get your little cracker, your matzo, your grape juice, and remind yourself, this is what the Lord did for me. I'm a child of a covenant. I'm a child of the King, and I have a covenant with the Creator of the universe. I don't have to walk around miserable. I don't have to walk around without my joy. This, this paid for my joy. This paid for my peace. I can walk in the fullness of God, just like Abraham did. I can walk in the fullness of God just like Abraham did. I can see his, his blessing on my life. And then we fast forward. Next week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach on seven things about communion, seven aspects of communion, what it is. But uh, in order to get there, I want to set the stage. If you go to Exodus chapter 12. In Exodus chapter 12, 
this is where most people pick up communion. This is where most people pick up the, the story, the idea of association with communion, and that's the Passover. And the reason for that is because Jesus was eating the Passover meal when he instituted communion. And he said, this, he said do this in remembrance. So he was telling them, as often as you drink, do this frequently. Do this as often as you do this. Do this frequently. Remember me. And I said it at Good Friday. Out of all the things, you know, Paul had a revelation. In 1 Corinthians 11, if you read it, Paul had a revelation from Jesus. He said, and the Lord showed me, the Lord gave to me, that on the night that he was betrayed, and he recounts to the Corinthian church communion, the, the last supper with Jesus. So out of all the things that Jesus, when he appeared to Paul, out of all the things that Jesus could have showed Paul, he showed him the Last Supper. Showed him, took him back to the moment he instituted communion and told Paul that this is of utmost importance. You need to practice this, do this. And, and word for word, Paul gave to the Corinthian church what Jesus said at the Last Supper. So, so the reason that we connect the Last Supper with Passover is because Jesus was having the Passover feast. And there's obviously a clear connection here as we read this. But in Exodus chapter 12, it says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months, and it shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. And they shall eat the flesh on that night roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with water but roasted in fire. Its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning and what remains of it until morning you will burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it. And with a belt on your waist and sandals on your feet and staff in your hand, so you will eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the Lord, now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Here we find the Passover story. Of course, we know the connection between Jesus, our Passover lamb, and the Passover feast. Jesus was our perfect, pure, spotless lamb who was the final sacrifice for sin. But the blood of the lamb was put on the doorpost. It was a sign to the death angel that those in the house were covered by the blood. The plague would not come on those. We know that the Lamb of God bore our sin. We see that here in Exodus 12. Jesus bore our sin. The Lamb took our sin. 
and the blood on the doorpost was a sign that the, those in the house were covered by the blood. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. But not so with the ungodly. The judgment of God would be on the ungodly. And this would be a sign, verse 14, so this day shall be a memorial. You will remember the work of the Lord. So when we receive communion together, we remember the deliverance that came at Passover. We remember the lamb that was slain for you and I. We remember that the blood of Jesus has been applied to the doorpost of our life, that we've been sanctified, that we've been set apart, that we've been consecrated by the blood of Jesus. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19, it says, but the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blood, blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these days for our sake. That Jesus was our lamb before the foundation, before the worlds were ever created, before God ever spoke light into creation. There was a plan of redemption for you and I, and his name was Jesus Christ. He is the lamb of God. He is the Lamb of God. And when we receive communion together, we celebrate the Lamb who was slain, who gave us victory over death, hell, and the grave. He is the Lamb of God. John, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming. He said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So this morning, we're going to receive communion together. And I'm going to ask the ushers if they'll come forward to help me this morning. But again, we're going to receive communion and we're going to reflect together. We're going to remember together the work of the Lord. We're going to remember together the blessing of the Lord. What has He done in your life? I want you to just pause for a moment. Y'all can come up here. I want you to think for a moment, what's the Lord done in your life? What's the covenant? What's the blessing? You know, we... Can I just say something real quick? The blessing of the Lord, the communion, power of communion. What did, what did God say to, uh, to Moses? Or what, did, what did God say here in Exodus 12 to Moses? He said, you will apply the blood to the doorpost and this plague will not come near your house. You see, not only is there a covenant of redemption in the blood, but there's a covenant of healing. There's provision in the blood. There's, there's, did you hear me? There's provision in the blood of Christ for your life. There's promise in the blood. There's promise in the covenant. But there's also provision for your physical body. If you're here this morning and you're dealing with illness or sickness or disease, there's promise for healing in your body this morning. As This is not just a symbolic act. It is an act. It's a prophetic act. It's a declaration this morning. When we receive, every time you take communion, you're declaring. The Bible says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So what you're doing when you receive communion, you're declaring, you're prophesying healing over your body. Jesus paid for my healing. Jesus paid for my deliverance. Jesus paid for my peace. Jesus paid. And you're declaring that over your life. Every time you receive communion. I'm telling you, some of you need to get in the habit. I believe that. The Lord's speaking to people already that you need to get in the habit 
of taking communion on a regular basis in your home. And I want to I want to challenge you to do it. I want to I want to say amen to that and you need to do it often. Take communion in your home as a family. As a family, take communion together. If you're by yourself, then just do it by yourself. But take communion together and declare the word of the Lord of your home. 